Welcome to the Pen and the Yad. This week's Parsha is Zot Habracha. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshayamit Synagogue in Chicago speaks with author Jonathan Eig. What makes for a Jewish hero? For a guy who was denied entry into the Promised Land, why is Moses so high on the list? So we've come to the end of the Torah. Zot Habracha. And the final verses of the Torah are all about the death of Moses. And the Torah is very clear about this. It says there's never arisen a person like Moses. He's like the ultimate leader. And I would suggest the greatest Jewish hero. But he's not a hero as we would understand heroes, those of us who grew up reading the Greek myths. You know, the Greek understanding of a hero um, is someone who is God, has a godlike quality. They're exceptional in one way or another. You know, Hercules is like the strongest man alive. I spent a lot of time watching those cartoons. <laughs> Achilles was the most skilled warrior. Odysseus was the most cunning and, you know, so on it goes. Moses, you know, comes like pre-fitted with clay feet. Yeah, he's mortal, which makes him maybe a better hero for modern times, right? Because we don't have to, we never believe that he's perfect and we can relate to him in ways we could never relate to Hercules. Well, that's true, but it's interesting that the Jew in Judaism, we try to identify with our heroes. We don't simply put them, make statues of them and put them in our, you know, our synagogues or in some museum somewhere that we can go and venerate them. We read about them and we struggle with them. You know, Moses is, you know, he's the guy, he's the, he, he, he doesn't want the job and he tells God that he has some sort of speech issue, so he's slow of tongue, or however we understand that, and yet God chooses him. God takes him. What do you think makes for a hero? I think, first of all, you have to be willing to step up and act and take responsibility and sacrifice. You have to have some beliefs that are worth sacrificing for, and then you have to be willing to stick to those beliefs. Hmm. I don't think you have to be perfect. I don't think any of our heroes are perfect, but they have to be strong in their convictions. You say that our heroes don't have to be perfect, but yet when we read about some flaw with someone who is venerated in our society, we see how quickly we tear them down, how fast we are to walk away from them. Yeah, and we see that a lot these days because the media can get one nugget and use it to tear down somebody who's been a hero before or who was a hero by different standards. You know, Thomas Jefferson's relationship with slaves and his his ownership of slaves and his having offspring with slaves was known throughout history but wasn't really investigated and wasn't brought to light until more recently. So a lot of it is the culture and, and how times change and how we tend to use our heroes differently over time. So on the one hand, we assume that every hero is flawed, but what we're struggling with today is can we accept someone warts and all? Yeah, I think it's a big problem. You know, have we become so cynical and so jaded that we would never accept a leader like JFK or Martin Luther King if we knew that they were having sexual affairs outside their marriage? Would that disqualify them from the leadership roles they played in this country? And I happen to cite two, uh, <laughs> um, but there are many, many others that I could have chosen. Right. None of us are perfect beings, and we challenge our heroes based on their foibles, and yet Moses is also flawed. He has a terrible temper, and that temper is going to prevent him from going into the promised land. 
And yet the Torah says there was no one like Moses. It's funny, we might expect more perfection than God does. I think that's right. I think God understands that courage does not require perfection. And I don't know why it's so hard for us. I think some of it is the media world in which we're living that we we used to be able to look away. Everyone knew that there were secrets and they just didn't need to poke into them, including the press that was covering um, right, you look at figures. someone like Mickey Mantle, right? right. Oh, or right. FDR, people that we absolutely idolized, you know, whose pictures would remain on our grandparents' living room walls for decades to come. We just decided that that wasn't what mattered. I couldn't agree more, but one of the issues that I think the Torah raises here in a very interesting way is that Moses' greatness all revolved around his faith in God. In rabbinic literature, God is the sun and Israel is the moon, meaning that all light emanates from God, and any light that Israel shines in the world is reflected light of God. So Moses becomes the ultimate example of that, as if to say he was humble because he understood his role and understood that he was humble before God. He was courageous because he knew that God was behind him, and he accepted his fate at the end of his life because he understood that this was part of a larger plan. So he was the reflected light of God. That's right. And I think um, whether you're religious or not, you can have that kind of an attitude if you believe that you are living your life for something bigger than yourself, whether it's for your community, whether it's for a cause, whether it's for the preservation of the union in the case of Abraham Lincoln, who was also very religious, whether it's the destruction of demolition of, of the Jim Crow laws in the South in the case of Martin Luther King, who was also very religious and felt he was being called to this work, that he had no choice but to accept God's instructions to lead this charge. But when you give yourself over to something bigger than yourself and you're willing to sacrifice everything, including your life, for that cause, then you are a hero. So the hero is the one who attaches themselves to something higher than themselves. Yeah, I don't know that you could be a hero if your goal is just to see how much money you could make or just to see if you could win the Nobel Prize um, if your goal is not something beyond your own ego. Kind of a transactional view of history. That's, yeah, and maybe that's my, you know lefty child of the 60s view of history, too. I'm glad you brought that up because I think we do struggle with that. Who do we venerate in our society? And who do we look up to? This person who has the most toys. Yeah, we do venerate the wealthy and we do venerate the great successes. You know, we venerate Steve Jobs for changing our lives, even though he was a jerk personally. If he had been a religious leader and he'd also been a jerk, we'd probably have similar attitudes. We'd venerate him for his religious leadership. Um, so we can look beyond the flaws, you know, both for the people who are making money and gaining fame and for the people who are doing it for something other than themselves. It's interesting that we see more than any other group of people has ever seen before. People never had, never went into a castle. They never saw the palace. Right. They might have seen the carriage or something like that. But we see it all, and we have this notion that I should be able to have that as well. Whereas for most of history, people, I think, relied on literature, stories, stories of heroes who were selfless. That's right. 
and people like Martin Luther King were allowed to tell their own stories. They wrote their books, we read their books, and we accepted their version of history. Or Odysseus, right? right? So Odysseus goes on this journey, and we go on the journey with Odysseus, and we see how he is dealing with it. We look at Moses, the flawed hero, and in many ways the abandoned hero, right? He's sent in this basket. But this relationship with God, this struggle that he has, oh, that raises him up, but he becomes a paradigm, I'm flawed, but I, and I'm not Moses, but I can attach myself to something higher. And maybe the attachment is heroic in and of itself, to hold on even when everything tells you to let go. Yeah, and you know, you see it really clearly in the case of MLK, who is being attacked by the FBI. They're trying to destroy him by releasing information about his extramarital affairs, and the black community just doesn't care. This is their hero. This is their president. This is their their religious leader, their prophet. And they will stick with him because they believe that he is righteous. Mm -hmm. And you see this playing out vividly uh, because the FBI is mailing transcripts of him in hotel rooms to his wife. He, he keeps going. He never lets it stop him. You know, it's interesting how this relates to the end of Moses' life. The people know he's not going into the land, that he's being punished, that God has made a decision that he's not going. So they don't cast him aside. Joshua's taking over, but when Moses dies, the people mourn. They mourn for 30 days. They cry. And that's one of the reasons that we have 30 days as part of our mourning. It's related to Moses. And so it's an interesting opportunity to reflect on what is a hero, how do heroes function, and how much better we might be if we actually thought about what makes for a hero and who we should attach ourselves to. And maybe we shouldn't be so quick to abandon people. Absolutely. And um, just to bring it back to King, as I always like to do, his last speech, what did he say? He was often compared to Moses. He was the black Moses. He said, I have seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. Right. So he's standing on Mount Nebo. He's looking out. But I've seen the promised land. And he wasn't afraid, according to what he said, he wasn't afraid to die at that point. That's right. And he was, what, all of 38 years old? 39. 39 years old. Imagine that. Yeah. A hero in our time and an opportunity to celebrate a hero for all time in Moses. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you.